Welcome to our perfectly flawless live stream we do every single Sunday at 8.45, exactly, on the dot. Today we are joined with Rachel Sutton, who uh, is has started a very, very successful best kombucha company in the entire world. Uh, it's a small business and she's doing an awesome job, so we're gonna, gonna chat with her about some stuff that's related to starting a small business in distribution and in making kombucha. But first... Scoot over a little. But first, let's... Uh, and also, Peter's not kidding when he's saying it's uh, the best kombucha company in the world. Uh, I did happen to work for Steady Flow here in town. They always have three kombuchas on as far as what we could get. And there were some amazingly delicious popular brands out there. No, they don't even compare to this booch. It's incredible. Find yourself some Zen Samurgist now. Yeah, it's available. And unless it's Shea spelling it and then it's Zen Samurgist. Zen Samurgist. Uh, Zen Samurgist. I, uh, it's time to take a Zymgestif, right? Zymgestif! If you did like a bitters one, maybe? Oh, yeah, actually. Yak Hyo, which I pronounce correctly every single time. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, before we do Genus Brain News, Rachel, do you have anything that you want to tell the world? Anything new coming up? What, what booches have you made? Ooh, I is, just released. What, is that what I think This it is, is the blueberry woodruff. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, not to interrupt and you. And then I brought the uh, cranberry hibiscus. I am, like hibiscus. I'm so happy right now. Um, hibiscus is yummy. I don't know, hard kombucha's coming. Ooh, Ooh, nice. Working on that this week. That so we, sounds we really have, fun. We need to install an extra tap. You, you got all the, all the liquor license stuff too? Yeah. Nice. I have a liquor license. I have a, yeah, I have questions about that, but we'll talk about all that stuff later. So we got hard kombucha, um, blueberry woodruff, and hibiscus. Cranberry. Cranberry. That sounds yeah. delicious. I'm excited. Um, uh, what do we have in the Genius Brewing? Well, we got uh, brewing news. Valley Cup is coming up. Valley Cup's going to be launched on uh, April 1st. A April 1st. Uh, that definitely did not catch us by surprise. No, we knew about uh, it the entire time. We knew time. about it and when we were going to have to brew it and uh, we did something special for it. Yeah, so. check, out, check out the Instagram for Valley Cup too because that's totally going to be made today. Definitely. Are we giving away our beers first or is people like, we're going to wait, we're going to have to wait until Valley Cup. It's awesome. It's fun. We haven't done one of these beers in a long time. Actually, I think since pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Tim, what? They, uh, Damon has a sign announcing what style it is already in his brewery. Well, you know, we're just going to be more surprised. Did he do ours properly? Because I'm not sure I told anybody what I was making because well, I didn't figure it out till last week. He said the style, which... Oh, session. Yep. Session, oh, session beers. beers yeah. yeah, but not what, like... Each person's doing. Though. Each person is doing in the session style. So it has to be session. It has to be a low, below 5%. And, you know, enzymes are great. We definitely did not have to dilute it out. Uh, yeah, it's going to be super tasty. And get yourself to uh, Spokane so you can vote for us. Because we made the tastiest one. Disca Discord beer style for next month is going to be a Maybach. So, Matt, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, we'll wrap up uh, this month at some point in time when me and Peter can schedule time. which is Or me and Tim. One of us will schedule time, record ourselves looking at pictures and recipes and talking about Irish. But, uh, yeah in the discord under monthly beer challenges please go post your recipes uh pictures if you want to send us beer please try to get it to us as quickly as possible and then i will not drink it 
off camera on accident. Yes, definitely. Make sure you label it. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, don't make it look too professional. Here's the deal. If you guys send us professional beers, please write on it. Drink on live stream. No, Peter. Yeah, giant uh, sticking out. Just paint it red. Yeah, if it if it is a homebrew, normally it'll make it to live stream, but uh, yeah, also. It, it, or like for the monthly challenges, please mark on there for Matt if you send it to Genus so yeah. they know it's not for those two. <laughs> Yes. I, I think I found one of my new favorite names. Matt? No, 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 no. Esteban Andrade. Esteban? Oh, is no, he gonna, he's Andrade? saying hi from uh, Ecuador. Cheers from Ecuador. Okay. I just, I mean, I feel like that over-exaggerated Esteban, and I love it so much. And no bingo <laughs> this morning. It. Sorry, guys. What? No bingo? What? What? So what? no Why Stephen, is there no bingo? No Stefan Stoudemire? I haven't gotten it set up yet. I'm getting it taken care of now. The man in the chair is behind. I mean, we're, we don't do that here at Genus. Discord links and... Uh, all yeah. right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, um, Pravada beers being made from around Ukraine. Um, so. No, local breweries are making a bunch of uh, Pravadas, uh, the brewery that was making oh, yeah. special cocktails. The special beer. Uh, Bravada yeah. is the brewery that was making a Molotov cocktail instead of beer so they could fight the Russians because they're awesome. Uh, also, Bravada, if I remember this right, uh, they basically um, released everything in other breweries are making their beer for them and like sending it to them so they can keep making cocktails. And or they're selling, sending proceeds to the brewery and to, or to not the brewery, but to nonprofits, the brewery recommends, recommends oh, nice. and stuff like that. So, uh, it was a cool way for a brewing community to, uh, get together and, you know, support, uh, people how we can. Also, I just think it's fun that they're like, Hey, we got like pallets on pallets of these glass bottles right here. Anybody up for some fun? Yeah, uh, you know, that's the brewing spirit right there. That's right. Uh, we got a new pomegranate seltzer on tap. Uh, same kind of vein as the green apple and the other ones that we've had recently. And sour event, Blueba Sour, April 2nd. Buy tickets. Yeah. Cheesecake, yeah. blueberry sour, and uh, a wrap. You should come for that. Play yeah, some Pokemon. I'll try. Gotta catch them all. Our sour events. It'll be tasty, but also we're going to play some Pokemon. Yeah. It's gonna be wonderful. It'll be like my first time playing Pokemon, and we've already put it out there. If I beat you, then you have to buy me a beer and I get your entire deck. Yeah. If you beat me, you get a solid handshake and you're like, all right, how was it beating, you know, a child? <laughs> all right, I think oh, that's, yeah. that's all of our uh, Genius Brewing News, which means it's time for our Beer of the Week. Bum, 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 beer of the Week. Whoa. This week actually Booch of the Week. Yeah, it's Booch. What a beer. Booch of the week. Booch of the week. Booch of the week. So we're talking about kombucha. Rachel, you want to give us a rundown on the general, how kombucha is made, what goes into, what is kombucha? Booch. Kombucha is fermented tea. Uh, so basically you put a scoby in there, a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. You mix it with a concentrated tea and some water and sugar, and then you let it ferment. And then flavor it from there? Or do you flavor it uh, pre-ferment? So you do a first fermentation, you take your scoby out, and then you do a second fermentation, and that's where you flavor it. Gotcha, okay. Ah. And then some people do a third fermentation, or they'll like filter it, or they'll add more yeast to make it alcoholic. Oh, nice. Or uh, they just carbonate it. There you go. That, sounds yummy. That sounds incredibly yummy. So, uh, kombucha is what we're going to be talking about today, so let's go, let's start with basically... Well, do we want to start with drinking kombucha? Yes, we do. I think Matt. I think I want to start with drinking kombucha. Matt. Guy in the chair. Um, Glasses. Cups. 
my first question on <laughs> this, because I know this kind of relates to uh, what we do when we're making hard seltzers and when we're making, you know, even like hard cider and everything like that. What do you do nutrient-wise? Do you uh, do you have to play around with specific nutrients to make sure it does its job, or, or is the scoby pretty strong by itself? Uh, you kind of make your own strong scoby. So when I grew my scoby, I spent a month waiting for it to get sour enough so mm. that I knew that it, anything I put in there, the pH was low enough, it would just kill it. Oh, nice. Mm. And then it just keeps, oh, so do you, uh, and do you have to nutrient it while you grow the scoby or no? No, you just do the mm -hmm. main sugar the first time and it usually is fine. Nice. That would actually make a lot of sense because it is a lot of bacteria and yeast other than uh, Saccharomyces in there. Even though Sac may be a part of it, you're having other things to break down stuff to release nutrients in uh, the sugars, the teas, and the fruits that are there. So yeah, that makes sense. That it's does kinda, make a little sense. It's kind of why like, you can't measure the alcohol content of kombucha like you do beer, because it's a mixed culture. Yeah, yeah. and some of the cultures eat the, alcohol. Yeah, the acetobacter that builds up kind of affects it. Goes back and forth through pathways that like, you know, maybe a mixed culture beer that we talked about and we are going to be talking a little bit more about in the future. So you should plan to be here for some other future. Yeah, I also want to I want to blend sours and uh, we should we should do an alcohol partnership where we blend some sours and some kombuchas, kombuchas. together. Yeah, definitely. Really good. We should do it. Yeah. Um, so what do you, when you start with teas, what to what concentration you said as concentrated tea, what kind of concentration do you usually start with? You know how like your typical, you do like a one tea bag and one cup kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm making like six gallons of tea at a time and I'm using like pounds and pounds of tea. Gotcha. And so sometimes it's like mixed teas and it's all loose leaf. Yeah. To get a stronger flavor. So what do you do to filter it out? I use a hot bag. Nice. Ooh, nice. <laughs> it's almost like a um, cold brew coffee where you're making an extremely concentrated flavor product. Yeah. It's uh, teas. Like, I mean, you can use any tea in that, or is there? Is does it have to be specific kinds? Most of the time, you want a green or a black tea. You can use oolong. You want to stay away from certain kinds of teas. Mm. Uh, what was it? I know sometimes Earl Grey doesn't work out well for people. I could I could see that. Putting the, the bergamot through fermentation might be a little strange. I mean, I could see the. Uh, Adding the bergamot afterwards as a flavor, but yeah. putting it through fermentation. So, like, if you wanted to do a chai, you can't just brew a chai tea and make it. You have to add the spices later. Would cinnamon, like the cannabinoids and stuff like that, are actually competitive or inhibitive to certain bacterial growth, right? I believe so. So that's, I, mean, oh, yeah. that's, I think that's a component of chai. I don't know too much about tea, but. Yeah, it is a component of chai. And actually, I do remember that. And uh, somebody just popped up here, fermented hot sauce. I remember somebody talking about that in fermented hot sauce. Yeah, uh, adding the, especially if you're adding a whole like cinnamon bark curl, uh, adding that afterwards because the oils uh, in that can inhibit some stuff. And that's actually a good question. I'm going to jump on that right now. Sydney Husky, if I wanted to make a lacto-sour beer but wanted it spicy, is there a problem using fermented hot sauce? Yes and no. Um, no, because what's in fermented hot sauce a lot of time is lab things, lactic acid uh, bacteria, including lacto. It's not only lactobacillus, though. So if you have some of the other ones that are uh, other bacterias that are delicious in fermented hot sauce they may produce weird funky flavors in your beer so uh if you're using the fermented hot sauce i would say adding that in post would probably be the best and or maybe pasteurizing it before you add it in just to make sure you don't get 
one of the other uh, natural bacteria that are normally fermenting on there doing weird things to your sour. So, always something to keep in mind. Yeah, but jumping on that, yeah, that was something that I heard about uh, fermented hot sauce, which I thought about a cinnamon fermented hot sauce at first sounded weird, but then I was like, mm, no, I would, I would try that. I would one hundred percent try that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd try that. All right. Have so you done any spicy, uh, spicy kombuchas? Yes. I have. I did a jalapeno pineapple. Why was that not here? Because I only made five gallons. Dang it! <laughs> you uh, start, uh, so you should make another one, please. Giving it Rachel was giant so tanks. spicy. Hardly anyone could drink it. Maybe I drank it. it. I drank it. It was really good. It we had a, a peach scorpion pepper cider on. Like it was beautiful. We'll blend it into other things. We made a habanero hot seltzer and then did a wing challenge with it. So yeah, well, this, this would have went well with your wing challenge. Hey, oh, Rachel. Nice. Perfect. Here's actually a really good question. What got you into kombucha to start with? Oh, um, I was buying a bottle of kombucha every day. Um, that's like six, seven dollars a bottle. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is really easy to make. And then after I was making six gallons every couple of weeks, I decided it was time to start a business. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How's that been so far? This is so good. It's been great. Uh, everyone is still learning about kombucha because it's still kind of a mystery drink to people. Mm. But once they get to know it and they realize that there's different types, just like there's different types of beer, uh, they're really on board. Yeah. Uh, that's actually, we got actually some really great questions flying up in here. That uh, earlier question was uh, from Ethan's Beer Reviews, but you're talking about different kinds of kombucha, uh, and I want to jump on this a little bit. Uh, there are, like, June. Yeah. Jun is... Uh, okay, Jun. Jun, June. I don't know. Uh, you know. June. It's like the cousin of kombucha. Quack. Uh, it's made Sorry. with using honey as the fermentable sugar instead of sugar. Mm. So it's pretty much kombucha, but you're changing the sugar source. Yes. And then it comes out much more sour, and it ferments in half the time that kombucha does. Interesting. Is that partly because of micronutrients that are in the honey, or...? Yeah, the honey is much easier for them to eat. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I will also go, any time that I had a kombucha, uh, June, uh, June, rather than, uh, uh, yeah, we'll get torn apart like we did for Quake. June Jacob, Jingleheimer Smith. Uh, also, if you want to know how to say it, on the very back of Omega packages, they put it in there, and they agree with us that it's quack. Quack. Uh, anyway, I'm not getting on this one today. I already got it on it today. Dang it. If somebody's got that on their bingo, mark it off. Uh, the Jun, a lot of the Juns that I've had uh, seem to be funkier as well. Mm -hmm. And I, being a guy that loves Britannomyces and things like that, I really appreciate the extra funky, but not the extra Acetobacter funky. Like, I enjoy vinegar, but, it, you know, that's one thing yeah. that I love about yours is it's not all vinegar. It's not straight up vinegar. And that also has to do with the fermenting process. Like, if the longer you let it sit, the more vinegary it's going to be, obviously. Yeah. So with I oxygen to, like, exposure pull it and off all when that. The pH is at a certain certain point. Do you airlock it during fermentation, or do you mostly open ferment? Uh, it's open ferment. Okay. Mm. Uh, if you airlock it, it will get more alcoholic. Oh, gotcha. That's or it won't crow at all. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> well. Uh, and, you know, I'll say that's probably one of the deals about why kombucha on the store shelves isn't quite as good. The distribution problems of it has to sit before it gets sold to the store and then it sits in the store before it's sold to you. Um, which is why Fresh is going to be better, obviously, but she's also just well, nailed then a lot it. of a lot of your store-bought kombuchas are filtered. 
And then yeah. they use things like kiwi juice to keep the colors vibrant when they put it in the store. Mm. So if you want a kombucha that's like really good, really flavorful, look for the ones that say raw. Yeah, mm. yeah. There you, you still get all the health benefits. Yeah, yeah. And you still get those probiotics. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this is this is amazing. The Woodruff blueberry. I mean, it, it, you know, talking to you earlier, it, you did just make it. It does feel a little bit young comparatively to some of your other ones, but. Yeah. Yeah, when this it's is tasty. done, we're gonna take one. Yeah. If it's Which one did enough. you bring us in the keg? <laughs> what flavor did you bring? Yeah. yeah. Strawberry mint. Ooh. So that one will be on tap and you'll be able to taste that if you were in the area. Um, we taught, so are there any other sugar sources that kind of make a different style of kombucha besides honey? Like maple syrup or, you know, raw uh, sugar or molasses or anything? Some people do maple syrup ones. Um, I've never tried one, so I'm not sure how it tastes. Uh, you can use like I think I've used a malt sugar before and it was mm. really good. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be a, a fun to, a, to play around with different. Uh, I mean, maple you wouldn't use obviously 100, percent but I can imagine doing a little bit. Mix. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, if you want to experiment with a five-gallon batch of that, I'm pretty sure we would buy it too. If it's servable, at least to us. Yeah. We'll probably take it if you want to experiment with that. We'll just drink it. Yeah. Uh, I will drink it. What kind of a sugar source do you, if you're just making a regular, do you use raw sugar or cane sugar? Or? Raw cane sugar. Raw cane sugar. Raw cane sugar. Nice. Some people make it so that it's like all organic by using all organic sugars, but I don't really taste a difference. Would there be a difference between uh, like a brown sugar and a white sugar? I believe so. I've never tried a brown sugar with it. Okay. I have a feeling that would be hard to mix in, like yeah. dissolving it. Might be more molasses too. Like well, a brown sugar kind of gives you a little is, bit more of that. It's because it has the molasses in it. Yeah. But, I mean, when I ferment out brown sugar, I enjoy it because of the molasses. It gives you that little bit of rummy flavor. So, in my mind, uh, what I'm coming up with is a little bit more of, like, a Mai Tai type of flavor. A little mm. bit of tropical in there. A little some almonds uh, for that nice orgay flavor. All right. Next one we're doing, it's going to be buckwheat honey and brown sugar. Ooh, deal. I don't know about that. I mean, mm, gonna make it real funky. Yeah. And a hint of maple but syrup. buckwheat, I, I haven't got fully on board. I love buckwheat. But I do actually. If you want to mimic in your uh, old ales, your English old ales, if you want to mimic some of the Britannomyces funk, add a little bit of buckwheat honey in there, and it'll be great. Uh, all right, I saw a great, great question actually in here. Uh, Esteban, yes. Oh, man, I love it. Keep asking questions, dude. <laughs> um, there's some tea with dehydrated fruit. Could kombucha be done with this kind of tea? Yes, absolutely can. The dehydrated fruit doesn't really affect it at all. Does but it uh, build flavor or acidity at all? It builds a little flavor, so then your base tea has kind of a little bit of it. Uh, I've done it with some of my peach flavors. I'll put a little bit of dried peach in there, mm -hmm. and then it brings out the peach more when you're done. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and actually, I, I thought about this earlier because you were saying loose leaf tea. Uh, for people at home uh, and in certain areas that may not have access to that, could you make it out of tea bags, and why not? You can make it out of tea bags. Yeah. Um, most of like, if you look online, most things will be like, oh, put this amount of black tea bags into a pot of water. So it does work. It's just not my favorite method. Wouldn't it be cost inefficient as well? Do you get, is it, there's bulk discounts when you buy loose oh, leaf, yeah. right? Oh yeah, if you buy loose leaf, usually you get more out of it. Yeah. The tea bags are more highly processed than loose leaves because they grind them up, put them in bags. So you're paying more in the end. Yeah, uh -huh. Sometimes they're treated with chemicals. Yeah. Uh, they're not easy. Like you can't compost some of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining somebody who's in, you know, like, Touch It, Washington, which I don't know if anybody here has been there, but it's literally like four buildings long. There's a great winery. You have access to, like, a gas station, you know. So if you want to start making your kombucha there, if you don't want to go to the Internet, you could use some of the tea bags. It's just not preferable. Yeah. Uh, I would also think that having the chopped up teas in there would release more tannins and make it a little bit more bitter. Um, not quite as tasty. Yeah, you also got to watch your steep time because that will also affect the bitterness. Oh, yeah. Steep time, yeah. Steep time. Because it's different for all the teas, isn't it? Yes, you need different temperature waters. You need different times it stays in there. Reminds me of when I uh, got into coffee for a hot minute. Right. Different kinds of coffee, you get in your exact little dial on pot. And, and then we got Warren. Yeah, we no, should no, do a cupping it. with Warren. Like, go up there and do a cupping with Warren sometime, and put that up. But anyway, leave some comments on that if you guys would like to see us do a coffee cupping with an expert. Uh, all right, uh, let's jump in there. Jimmy J. Actually, this is a pretty cool one, and I think it's a cool idea. Uh, Jimmy J. I got some uh, Lapsang Saoshong uh, to try out. I butchered that. I bet. Uh, have you tried using this type or other smoked tea in your kombucha? So I'm thinking he's just asking about uh, using smoked tea. I've never tried a smoked tea. Um, it might have been in the batch that I just bought. But I think it would work. It would be interesting, though. You also have to think that whatever tea you put into this one, you're taking a little bit of it, and it's going to end up in the next one, too. So that flavor might carry over for mm. a little while. Because you use your SCOBY just yeah. right on. Yeah. You never throw away your, I don't know if we talked about that. You never throw away your SCOBY. Your SCOBY is just that nice little healthy mass you sit in the bottom of your jar just pretty much every time. Yeah, it's like a little pet. There you go. <laughs> yeah, hey, That's well, actually, it, it is kind of like that. I was thinking of the, uh, the, what is it, the Japanese moss balls that you take care of. Those things are cool. We should get one of those for the shop. Deal. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, Ethan's Beer Reviews. Have you ever made an oak-aged kombucha along with, ha like, an oak-aged kombucha with vanilla? And I know you've used, you've used vanilla before. I've We've used seen vanilla that. before. I did, like, a blackberry vanilla once, and it was interesting. Hang on one second. Uh, hey, man in the chair? Yeah? Would you grab the fridge? Oh, yep. All right. I just wanted to see him grab the fridge. Yeah. Straight up. Oh, now I can't remember his name. Uh, the chef from uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah. The, uh, Gene. The yeah. Gene. 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 All right. Sorry. Uh, okay. Kombucha. Okay. Kombucha. I've thought about it. I just need to find a way to do that. Would you use clean oak or maybe like a wine barrel or oak barrel or uh, whiskey barrels, things like that? A whiskey barrel would probably work. Yeah. So we got to have, with smoked tea, whiskey barrel aged june with buckwheat honey brown sugar and what else did we what else were we adding oh we just add all no, the fun no, 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 oh and maple and raw maple syrup yeah no, I, I, I am no i'm literally loving that though the smokiness <laughs> going into the bourbon carameliness you're gonna have that extra liquor coming off of the brown sugar but have that maple to really round out some sweetness take away some tannins that would be delicious do that one Pamela Hakla, can you use the same home brewing equipment as you do for beer? Uh, we actually, I used to, we, we might have currently glass wide mouth carboys. I think that would be the best. Yeah, probably. You can do that. Um, what I started with is I bought a brew in a kettle kit. Mm. So 
So basically it's just a boil kettle and it has like a little rubber stopper you put around the top. You just put a cloth over yeah. it and it works. Nice. There you go. You can heat the water up in there and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all in, in one. one system. Or you could probably use an all in one system. That works too. I did do that before. I boiled the water in an anvil foundry. Anvil foundry. Yeah. Another use, kombucha June. That's right. Uh, Funky Brewer, what's your method to do secondary fermentation for bottle conditioning with a juice addition? So, uh, I haven't done bottle conditioning in a long time. Uh, usually, I would just take my scoby out, add the fruit, and then after that second fermentation is done, you just put it right in the bottle with a little bit of sugar and then put it out room temp for a few days, let it carbonate. So you don't calculate for the juice sugars, you want to make sure that the juice sugars are done and then you do uh, the sugar separately so you can kind of measure it out? Yes. That makes sense. That sounds like the easiest way to do it. Yeah. And to prevent bottled bombs. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I've had an exploding uh, growler of kombucha before. Uh, that would be actually be something important to uh, note on uh, kombucha too because you do have a lot of residual sugar left over. And even though not everything in the SCOBY is producing CO2, there is CO2 being produced. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets quite uh, active, especially if you're using, because some people for the second fermentation will put the fruit in the bottle with the kombucha and then put extra sugar in there. And uh, when that builds up pressure, sometimes they just explode. It's more mm -hmm. difficult to control. But actually, it's uh, you will notice the type of bottle she has these in right now. These are really good for anything that has continuous fermentation going on because these rubber seals are not the super duper tightest and it will get up to a good carbonation level. And after that, as long as you don't have it sealed to it too hard, uh, those bottles can actually lift up and self vent a little bit. They still will create gushers, but there's a less of a chance of creating bottle bombs in the uh, swing top variation bottles. That's why most of the time you need to keep your kombucha refrigerated when it's done. Yes. Inhibit fermentation. But that'll still create a bottle bomb if yeah. you let it sit too long. Yeah. Yeah. Drink it Just fresh. Just slows it down. Drink it fresh. Ethan's Beer Reviews, thanks for asking questions, trying to experiment myself and what, see what's possible. Uh, I like the advice you give on your show and it's great. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Ethan's Beer Reviews. And if you do do some kombucha, uh, uh, Put it on Instagram, tag us, tag Zymergist, and then we'll share it to our story, too. And, yeah. And he's planning to maybe send us some. I told him two bottles so we nice. can make sure that Rachel gets some. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, oh. to provide feedback. Jimmy J. Stephen Stoudemire, thank you for uh, helping people out with some bingo cards. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy J. I love Jimmy J's idea of using some tamarindo in something. You need to make a tamarindo uh, kombucha. And then I will just take it. It's not even going on tap. It's going on <laughs> in my face. I love, I love tamarind so much. And for those of you who are not using it, use so much more. Oh my God. Yes. All right. Sorry. Oh, Stefan Sodomar just did a IPA with Halcyon mangoes and brew on hops. Ooh. That sounds like a fun one. Send us some. Uh, <laughs> he's, we, in, he's in Germany. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, Nocturnal Brewer. Uh, we covered this mm. a little bit. Uh, can you keep reusing the SCOBY from batch to batch. Yes, you do that, but this is the part that I want to hit on. How long can you keep reusing it? Uh, it's kind of like a by taste thing from what I figured out. Um, as you use it though, there is a pellicle that builds up on top that kind of keeps outside bacteria out. It gets thicker and thicker and eventually you gotta like cull it. Um, but it starts to get like a weird taste where it almost seems like when you're fermenting, it's not 
sour enough. Mm. And then you know it's probably time to start a new one. Throw it away. Build it up. Build it up. Build it back up. Uh, so uh, could you uh, treat it like a sourdough culture where you pull a little bit off the SCOBY, build it back up in a specific way to keep reusing it that way? Or once yes. it's flavor changed, it's... I think you could just take a little bit off and try to build it up just like that. It's basically the same as sourdough, okay. keeping that culture, keeping the pet in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep it nice, nice and healthy. Uh, the Samba 37 is a good question. Oak staving would be better than barrels. Having a scoby and pellicle and barrels does sound like a nightmare. Yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, uh, all right. So, and I want to say this too. Everybody thinks of uh, barrels. And barrel is actually a very specific size in oak containers. That is not all oak containers. There's firkins, there's butts, uh, hogsheads, uh, all that Sorry, something turned on and back. It's a glycol chiller. Oh, yeah. Uh, All that kind of good stuff uh, in there. There are different shapes to these, too. So it doesn't all have to be in a classic barrel shape. Something like a fodder uh, actually is very much in the classic shape of a fermenter, just without the cone on bottom. So I imagine using a vertical tank like that could actually be be really easy. Upright, needed a wide open top. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like a mini fodder. That'd probably work really well. There's a company that did, uh, I think it's called Squirrel. Squirrel. It is Squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd probably work. That'd yeah. be a fun thing to work. They weren't open top, though. No, well, they might have variations. They might have variations. Squirrels, if you guys haven't looked it up, squirrels are actually a really cool idea. It's a uh, square fermenter uh, with removable oak panels on it, effectively turning it into a square oak barrel. Yeah, and you, uh, can, you can replace some of them. So you can have some fresh, some whiskey barrel aged whatever also army of people out there each of you need to email squirrel for us and say hey send them some to put on their youtube channel yeah and then we can do a review on it and then we'll also have a squirrel exactly uh do do coffee would be great um how to start homebrewing no less investment and how to take it commercial we're kind of going to get into some of that when we start talking more about the business development side uh, but i just want to make sure we get through all the uh, questions about kombucha first. Uh, any, any, any area of kombucha that we think we've missed? Kind of covering what all is in it, what it does? You've covered most of it. Most of it? Sweet. So if we it's don't got any more questions... you want to talk hard kombuchas. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, yep. well, uh, kombucha, uh, let's talk hard kombuchas, and then maybe we can talk about a couple other things, because I know you do tapache and stuff like that as well. So. Tapache doesn't always work out as planned. Yeah, it's natural. But let's do hard kombuchas. Hard kombuchas. So hard kombuchas, you're doing the uh, other fermentation to add more yeast to it, and then you'll flavor it. Uh, Very important to take out the scoby first before you add that other yeast. And that's because things in the scoby eat alcohol. Yeah. And turn it into acids and other stuff like that. So if you do want to have a hard kombucha, you need that scoby out of there. And you'll also oh. be adding more sugar with that yeast. Yeah, and the alcohol is going to kill off part of your scoby, so you'll effectively ruin your scoby and ruin your kombucha at the same time if the scoby's still in there. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of killing your scoby and doing stuff to your scoby, Stefan Stoudemire kombucha with hops, yes or no? I think the process would probably be about the same. You'd want to not have the hops. It'd have to be dry hopped, right? Uh, I have done a fresh hop. Um, but I did make sure my scoby was out of it first. Always make sure your scoby is safe. Yeah. Hops are antibacterial. 
a SCOBY is a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, which means the hops will kill off most things in your SCOBY that you want. And that's the point of hops is they help preserve your beer and keep these things out of it. So yeah, it works. Actually, I do rem I remember that. I don't remember where it went on. I didn't have it, but it looked really interesting. I did interesting. bring in some and drop it off. I think, yeah, that might be where I had it. It was delicious, but that would be a good, take your SCOBY out of it, then put your hops into it for that flavor. That way you don't kill your SCOBY. Don't kill your SCOBY. It's your little pet. You don't want to kill your pet. Nocturnal Brewer, is there any enzyme you add at any time to help the process or just let it ride? I feel like that might be bingo fishing, but I'll ask the question anyway. Is there any enzymes that you use? I do not. Uh, some of the bigger breweries will use something called Mananova mm. that they put in there to help keep down the alcohol content. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I want to look into that enzyme. That sounds interesting. Um, yeah, because I mean, what if we could use that to... Uh... Anyway. And then squirrel, Patrick Sandy, the, what's that? How did you, how do you pronounce that word? Puree. Is that a tea? Puree. Yeah, it's a type of tea. It's like a, it comes in like a little pouch. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. I've never tried to use that before. Most of the time, because it's too expensive. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But would it work? I'd say it probably would. I mean, people ferment coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, co all coffee <laughs> is fermented, too, yeah. actually. That is also true. So, What's the best use for excess mean. scobies? Do you do you cook with them? or? Uh, some people eat them. You can also do vegan leather out of it. Uh, hmm. Or you can compost it. Mine get composted. Gotcha. Yeah. So that'd be great for your compost. I have Super tried good. to eat one before, and it was not great. So... Because it there's, there's got to be a way. I mean, well, you got, it's got. I feel like it's like a mushroom. Like if you cook it right, there's something yeah. that people maybe make like scoby gummies out of it. Oh, okay. that's interesting. That's I always that think it's more of like <laughs> powdering it to add into the uh, food is more of kind of a supplement, like a, a sub, yeah. like a yeah. Yeah. like nutritional yeast almost. Exactly. I mean, those have flavor components too. Like you can get. I mean, it'd be like sour and umami that you can add. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I know nothing about what I'm talking about. It just or in theory, it sounds right. How long does it take to make? Uh, depends on temperatures. Um, usually it's about a seven to ten day ferment, sometimes longer. I usually do a 14 day ferment. Uh, and then that's just first fermentation. Second fermentation, usually five days. Five days. Okay. So, I, I mean, it's fairly relatively close to uh, beer fermentations on that. Most fermentations, I would say. Uh huh. All right. Then we're ready to move on to, uh, let's move on to the starting a business because you're still very small scale what's your what's your biggest batch size right now um let's see mm. so i do half barrel batches mm -hmm. i'm working into one barrel batches um so yeah if i do the half barrel and i do i make 20 gallons and then i have to take out the scoby so you always have to right think of that part yeah you have, you have to think of the manipulation and how you can physically get the SCOBY out of there with whatever vessel. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be something that's going to be really interesting to a lot of home brewers who have thought about starting their own business. Um, and you have a liquor license. You have an alcohol manufacturing license? Yes. I uh, have a beer license, technically. Gotcha. Um, so the the paperwork part's done. Uh, and that's the, that's kind of, for me, that's that'd be the most prohibitive thing for anybody to do if they wanted to start their own brewery. Kind of like you or I'd also kind of maybe equate Jeff and Candace in the same boat. like. Jeff and Candace started a brewery, built a tap room, 
but you know they're still kind of trying to keep it as small as possible. No, they actually contract now too, so they kind of they got bit, bigger a little bit. But well, the start also, the start was really small. The start was like that five gallon size. Oh yeah, that's all they did was five. Yeah. I think they got some ten gallon uh, batches with that too. Because they had two grandfathers. Fathers. It's hey. also important to note that uh, liquor laws are different where in whatever state, country, province you are in. When Rachel is saying she has a beer production license in Washington, we are separated out by... It's weird because they don't know where to put some things like kombucha, uh, but we are separated into your base sugar uh, here. So if it comes from fruit, it's generally a winery license. If it comes from grains, it's generally a beer license. Sake is a little weird. It's beer till 8% and then it turns into wine. Uh, kombucha, they didn't really know what to do with. Mead also falls under wine, I think. Yeah, no. mead does fall under wine uh, for that. Because, yeah, it, but it's honey. But, it, you know, so uh, different states will have different licenses. Different countries will have different licenses. But the important thing to notice or to know is that you have the right appropriate license for what you're trying to do. Yeah, and then all that to say, um, so you're doing small batches, you've got the license, you've done the, what I would call the hard and boring part of starting a business. And then how is it um, just getting your product out there and how, I mean, to you is it, uh, um, where, where are you at with this? Is it, do, you, do you like where you're at cost production wise or uh, you know, income generation wise? Do you, is it something you're excited to do because you like doing it or you wanna grow it into something big or what's? I kinda like where it's at. Um, I do wanna move more into the like we're canning, maybe getting a couple other places because not everyone has tap space for kegs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, like with the alcoholic, I know that sometimes people have to make a choice: which one do I want? Um, but overall, I'm very happy with where it is. Nice. We're happy that you have kegs for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how so? And you do you right now? You're doing self distro, so you you make a kombucha and then you get out and you sell it. How you? How much do you sell? And I mean, maybe this is getting too deep into it, but how much do you sell per like per week? At least one a week. At least one, uh, one a week. Last week it was like six, but it really depends. So sometimes is, people all run out at the same time, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, people out there, I'm imagining there's there's imagining there's questions. So this is some basically, if you're thinking about like a home brewer, this is like a home brewer that's making. A, a little bit more than they would do as a hobbyist, but then also being able to generate back some revenue to kind of cover your, you know, your equipment investments and your, um, you know, everything that you would put into making this much kombucha, which for you, I imagine is, you know, a decent chunk of money just to be able to produce on this scale. But now you get to make kombucha and you get to kind of cover your expenses on your, um, it's now a business expense to buy anything that's new and fun. Which to me, that's kind of why I started this way back in the day. I was like, ah, I'm making enough beer, but I'm also spending a lot of money on all the stuff that I have. And so I want to start selling it to people and then, you know, pay for my hobby. And then it kind of just grew into, grew into this. Grew into that. Uh, quick uh, break on that. Steph just asked, what's the name of Rachel's business? We'd love to follow. Uh, if we could have the man in the chair link. Oh, he already did right below that. Uh, but Zen Zimmergist, uh, Zimmergist, however the hell you want to say that, uh, go give her a follow, order her stuff, and then let's let's get it all in the can so she can start sending it to all of you people. Ooh, small yeah. bus general question. Small biz general question. If you want production and serving at the same facility, about how many people do you typically need to get started? In the brewery world, I know people that have done it with just themselves just and their one. wives. Yeah. 
Uh, honestly, there's I know people have done it with just themselves. It all depends on what you want to do with that. How many days you want to be open, how many seats you want to have in there, uh, and how much you think you can keep up with. Um, for example, new business that just opened up, uh, No Drought Brewing Company, they opened pretty much with just him and his wife serving taps up there. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're at, they got busy real quick and had to hire a person. One, two. I think, I think they got two, people, two people in the bar there. and then they got Josh. They have, yeah. three. They have three people in the bar. They have three. Three now? Three in the bar. Yeah. Three at least. See, Plus right. Josh. Yeah, well, I'm not Plus an accountant, sl- uh, accountant, accountant slash, slash brewer. Uh, but, I mean, that was just them running it for a while until it was like, hey, we got full-time jobs. We can't do this anymore. Versus, uh, you know, uh, one that actually I loved going there. He had some pretty decent beer, but I loved a guy. Biplane Brewing Company uh, that was here. I mean, he literally made five-gallon batches at a time. He had a brew magic system. He split it off into other smaller carboys and fermenters. Did it all himself. He was open, uh, I think, five to six days a week on that. He ran the tap room himself, made all the beer himself. He worked all the time, but it's what he loved to do. He paid his bills. He got to homebrew all the time. Uh, you got to take a vacation whenever you wanted. So The tap room is the, the time that you really start. When you get the tap room and you have rent and other expenses, that's the time that yeah. it really starts to kind of build and you you need to sell more. But right now, you're... Like, you can not sell for a little bit and still be comfortable and fine. As long as I can pay for my rent. I am renting out of space. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But it's probably, is it small? It's not a ton? It's small. It's a small little space at Bellwether Brewing. Okay. Nice. But you still pretty pretty much do, uh, what, close to 100% of everything yourself right now? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. So that's possible. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Quick question uh, that I just saw that's related to two questions. Uh, Ham wants to know what's the shelf life of homebrewed kombucha? Like, how long can you... Until the bottle explodes? Like, until the bottle explodes. Or until you just can't drink it anymore. Um, yeah. Usually, it's like a couple months, as long as you're keeping it refrigerated. After that, it starts to kind of taste like wine, and then it'll just taste bad. Yeah. And then Reverend KY asked, because we were talking about canning kombucha, what is the most cost-effective way to get into counter-pressure canner? A counter-pressure canner. You probably want a can condition, I'd imagine. Maybe. Maybe. A lot of people use a beer gun. Yeah. And they said that yeah. works well. Yeah, because yeah. it's going to be hard to... I just imagine you lose that bright kombucha fizz without can conditioning. But then cans are also kind of nice because if it ends up getting overcarbonated, you just see the bulge in the bottom. Yeah. So you can kind of tell. Mm, I'd say the best uh, cost-effective way to get into a counter-pressure canner is find uh, one of the mobile services that has one and hook your them. tanks up to them and do it. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be insane. I mean, it'll be cheap after a while. It's an insanely expensive system to buy for yourself. But once you have it, you have it, and you can charge other people to come and use it. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Dustin Light question, how many people do you need to typically get started? You could be one. Just be one. Yeah. You could be one. Or uh, I know another brewery that uh, I helped start up and worked for here in town. We had like seven people to start out with but that was a 15 barrel system yeah you gotta have a lot more money to start like like that yeah it was it was a couple million dollars Uh, i think what rachel's doing is really really cool and i think that's why a lot of people are would be interested in in that topic i'm trying to not ask questions that are too prying i don't know kind of where to not ask questions but i think it's really really cool to be able to start something up by yourself and then 
you know, grow it as much grow as you as want, much or as you know, not have to grow it if you don't want to. Just you know, you're you're kind of in your own zone, which is really awesome. You get to do what you want to be doing, and it's also good to have like people you know that already have a business or you're in the industry that can help you. Little yeah. tips here and there with things I know, because I have a lot yeah. of people at Bellwether that I ask questions to. Yeah. Which uh, also and she has us, and we we've we're here. We're, we know everything, so that, that's right. Uh, but on that topic, Matt, you, you should maybe see if we can get uh, Bellwether's brew, brewer in here, because he would be fun to talk about with like Braggits and stuff. Yeah, I don't I think will. any of us have ever met uh, Bellwether's brewer, but I don't know who he I would is. like to meet him. But someday. she works with him, and he's apparently <laughs> a really nice guy with a great beard. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I don't have beard jealousy at all, but. <laughs> Uh, to go along with that, I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, here's actually a great, uh, great question. Cause we're going to drink it, um, really soon. Uh, Reverend KY is, or sorry, nocturnal brewer, uh, asks us and you need to watch your live stream, not the uh, podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, come back, watch the live stream. Was that, uh, was that accidental that the can was placed upside down or purposely <laughs> done? No, that's actually on, on purpose. purpose. And uh, it's a little hard to see. Yeah, you can't really see it. But they put the label on upside down, too, for you to flip the can to uh, stir back in some of the uh, fruit flavors there in there. Speaking of which, let's bust okay. that out. This one has activated charcoal in it. Ooh, so yeah. So it said to flip to activate. Flip to activate the charcoal. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. This it, is uh, I don't hard even know gen. what that would do. Hard gin? Gin? Gin! I like I like June only because I like to scream June. Hey Pete, Peter, can you hold it up to the camera because that's a really oh, yeah. cool unique color. That is a really cool color. It's uh, that's as close as I can get. It's all oh wow. Also the uh, aperture is low and it's it's going to be super blurry if you get really close. It's because where the because ap- where like, the aperture's at. Gray blue, but not, that's delicious. That's the deli- Matt. You're just you're fuzzy. Mm, it's uh, 6%. That seems high. So I would I would expect most hard kombuchas or variations that are up to be lower lower alcohol. Is that kind so, of the top, upper end of what you see? It depends on where you go to look for them. I have seen one brand that is, it says it's between 1 and 3 or 4%, and I don't know how he gets away with putting a range in there, yeah. but yeah, maybe because whatever it's so low. they said was okay. Is so the front of it just says 0.5 plus. Hmm. <laughs> whatever that means okay uh and for those of you who don't know depending on where you're at uh you do actually get a range in alcohol in washington here um let's see for wine you get a point f- uh or a half a percent plus or minus to play with uh in beer we get 0.3 of a percent half a minus or plus or minus to play with um, mainly just because it's insanely expensive to send your booze into labs and extremely cost prohibitive and using a hydrometer you can be off just a touch so the government does realize that and allow you to be off just a touch that much is weird yes <laughs> that's pretty good mm. so it has coconut pineapple orange nutmeg and green tea oh gotcha it has a little yeah. funkiness probably a combination of the coconut and the nutmeg i'm well, guessing also the June yeah. part of it. Yeah, that honey. I'm going to say, says what kind of honey? I, I, I think it might be the coconut. There's a little weird, like, rise in flavor before it flattens back out into yeah, the it, acid. It just says honey. 
Is the risk of oxidation with kombucha? I imagine no, but because some of the uh, uh, microbes are aerobic microbes or facultative aerobes. Meaning that they eat the oxygen. Yeah. But there could be a danger of yeah, oxidation in uh, kombucha. You've got more in the light than yours. Yeah, I don't know. I'm also posting a bare picture yeah. of uh, the color to my Instagram. Okay. Um, there uh, could be a, 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 not necessarily a risk of oxidation, but a risk of oxygen exposure. And if there's more oxygen exposure uh, at certain points, it could kick up different bacteria, especially something like Acetobacter, and make more vinegar um, would, would be my worry with oxygen. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Over oxygenation. I like I a little. I like a little vinegar. I mean, I, a bit of vinegar. Yeah, but when you're drinking kombucha, you shouldn't be drinking fruit-flavored vinegar. That's just wrong. Well, and some people are really drawn away from it because they had that one at the store that was super vinegary, and I'm like, they're not all like that. You kind of have to expand. Yeah. Yeah. Different ones. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of people that thought they hated kombucha on the kombucha because of having your kombucha on tap. I tend to like it a bit sweeter, yeah. so I don't let it ferment as long. No. Uh, this is a good question. Skyman567. Uh, UV sensitive in clear bottles. Is kombucha oh, UV sensitive? No. Not at all. So where beer is UV sensitive, it's the hops in there. So if you do have a hopped uh, kombucha, yes, it will be UV sensitive yes. and you can skunk that. Um, I would imagine if there are some fruits in there that... Uh, degrade under UV, uh, especially some bright red f uh, fruits. If you leave them under UV, that will probably bleach out a little bit. Um, and I imagine there's a few other uh, herbs and spices and things that tend to get light struck and change under UV light. But the kombucha base itself isn't Not really susceptible to it. I think some of the harder kombuchas do get a little light sensitive. They do recommend brown bottles for those. Um, but I haven't experienced any issues. When's your first what? hard kombucha coming out? Uh, hopefully in a few weeks. Uh, I'm just lining up, getting it lab tested, because that's how you have to measure the alcohol content. Oh. Mm. Uh, are you submit? Do you who are you sending it to? White Labs? No, there's a lab closer that I can't remember the name of in Oregon. I've heard uh, of that one as well. That has a cheaper testing. I saw that one on a short circuit brewer episode. When he got one of his, uh, that lab, uh, it was actually the hops that he got measured on that one. He was measuring the IBUs using a hop spider or a uh, open bag. Cool experiment. You guys should look it out. Look, look, check it out. Look out for it. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Reverend, you need to rephrase that a little bit. Uh, yes. Does Bucha pay extra for CO2 levels? Um, I, I'm going to go on two different tangents here. Um, does, with Timothy. Well, does the CO2 levels affect the flavor of kombucha? Like when we put CO2 in the beer because of the carbonic acid, it brings out a little bit more bitterness and it really pops. Also partial in. pressure. And that's probably the airlock thing. Airlock. Um, um, yeah, maybe. It does taste a bit different when you add the CO2 because I forced carb in a keg. Yeah. I'd imagine that'd be brighter though. Yeah. Honestly, I think that could probably help out uh, some booch a little bit, that extra little acid punch, but I love sour things. Hey, Rachel, yeah. Tim, is it Oregon Brew Lab? Yes, <laughs> that is it. That was yeah, a tough one to figure familiar. out the name. I was like, it's from it's Oregon. It's a brewing lab in Oregon. 
what's the name? <laughs> uh, so what, I what is it about the airlock that uh, makes it more alcoholic? It oh, it's well, anaerobics, it's not, yeah. yeah. It's not and as close to air. So I should have just thought a little bit before I asked questions. Yep. Instead of letting oxygen get in to help out the bacteria to ferment things, it's just CO2, so the oxygen-loving uh, bacteria don't ferment. Yeah. The non-sciencey way. I'm just trying to help out non-sciencey people. Yeah, I uh, I overthought that. Like I went into partial pressure, and then I like totally. That's where I was asked at. a question that I was that I'd answered before. But I mean, but it's uh, oxygen. How can you do pressure fermentation and still introduce oxygen? Uh, Aerate it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, say, yeah, know, stone. Because I mean, oxygen goes in flow rates. You actually probably can calculate it if you got a big tank, tank like, that, like that, and then put a carbstone on it. Put the flow rate at a very very low very flow low rate. Amount. That could be interesting. Yeah, I there's mean, probably a way to do it. All like, right, all right. Uh, uh, new experiment. We're gonna make a we're gonna make a five barrel kombucha with Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have Have you done that? I mean, have you done uh, natural carbonation with any of your kombuchas before? Oh, only my home brew. And that tastes a little bit. Which was very different. hit and miss. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it tastes fine without carbonation. Yeah. Uh, the yeah the forced carbonation does make things i mean in the beer world in the seltzer world in the hard cider world makes it way easier to control all the different variables you know what i'm thinking i don't enjoy about this i think it's their alcoholic yeast choice that's what i was using yeah the champagne the different types of yeast will yeah. uh, affect that taste it's not um, it's not i don't know if it's ec11 it's probably ec11 though that's what it tastes like to me yeah it, it was a little more bready than that but i think that might just be the interaction in there that's something to think about as we're talking about hard kombuchas if you're gonna oh, do a hard kombucha. insider if you go above a certain co2 level then you get bumped into a higher tax bracket i did not know that thank you reverend reverend ky also doesn't know what he's talking about he's never worked at a commercial cidery before never not at all. Also, you should uh, send us uh, some of the ciders from your side, and we'll compare them to a few of ours and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, and that's something that uh, we don't quite know about as much in there because we don't produce cider. Uh, so we should we should get a couple of cider makers on to it. But yeah, Reverend I'm, KY, come be a cider maker for us. I mean, for a day on the live stream, and maybe permanently. I don't know. We'll start don't a cider. I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, Tim, I'm already thinking about then on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get to back to your uh, hard kombuchas to uh, get the alcohol in there. You definitely need to get a yeast that is going to be pH tolerant, can survive in low acidity, can probably also survive in a low oxygen environment, a low nutrient environment, which I imagine is why they use champagne yeast. But people, please, unless you're making a brute champagne, don't use EC1118 for your ciders, seltzers, hard kombucha. It, you can use something else that's going to be way more tasty on there. Ruindu says hard kombucha is hard kombucha not because it has alcohol, but because it's hard to make. Duh. And then has a some sort of a smiley face that looks like two dots and a three, which to me just... I think it's supposed to be a cat smile. Oh. Yeah, not... No. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> I know. Like the Women's Network in uh, Australia. Yep. Like uh. how, I mean, God bless that man for picking that out and just seeing absolutely no problem with that. Are <laughs> you for real? That was, that was an amazing day for entertainment. Uh, anyway. Uh, recommend, recommendations for yeast, nutrients, and types of water to make kombucha. Uh, we haven't touched Ooh. on water. What do you Water, say? actually, yeah. Um, so Bellwether has a nifty filtered water system. 
Uh, it's very important though that you have a filtered water, not full of chlorine. <laughs> not full of chlorine. Not full of chlorine. Do you use a? Do you take mineral accounts into it much? I've got. I'm at filters. Obviously, going to take out a good chunk of the minerals, but I really don't. Uh, a lot of people do in different parts of the country. Um, some people do like reverse osmosis water. Mm. Mm-hmm. But basically just like you're filtered like if you're doing it at home something filtered Too through glass. a Brita pitcher would be just fine yeah it's going to take out majority of the minerals anyway yeah i think it'd be fun to this is me getting on the nerdy science side play with starting ph um just on the scoby building to try to use that to manipulate certain bacteria on the scoby building mm-hmm. and then try to figure out what it does and what it actually goes into well and different uh, i mean have you done any experiments with different water chemistries at all and how I they haven't. affect things. I probably should. It'd be kind of interesting to look at. Well, it's, it's, it has to affect it. I mean, that's 100% going to be, uh, or it's 90% of your product, just like anything else in there. That's got to affect it in some way. Tim and I'll make you different five gallon batches of water and then we'll just give you that water. Actually, that'd be pretty interesting. Do something like uh, check water. Burton-on-Trent water. A Burton on, I would be for that. Burton-on, I mean, a classic English Burton-on-Trent. We'll do a check, uh, maybe like a Dortmunder, just to see how that weird, like, high mineral but super soft water still goes. Yeah. And then the West I would, Coast. I'd be interested in a high sodium and chloride content, actually, just for that yeah. fullness and roundness. roundness. Anyways, uh, 77 Trans Am guy, what's up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where are we at with Welcome questions? Welcome on. Um, actually, I think we're pretty good on most of those questions. Let's open up this last uh, hard booch here. Let's see what's going on with this guy. Hard booch. And then I have beer questions when you guys want to jump into those. Okay. I'm sorry. It's more coconut. It's. <laughs> I don't know. Coconut. I get weird about coconut. Coconut is always a very oily flavor to me. Banana boot. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it tastes like suntan lotion. I cannot get away with it. Most of the time, sometimes there's coconut done in the right way and just like, oh my God, yes, I need more of this. But most of the time it's suntan lotion. It's a personal thing. I think this is going to... Six and a half. Ooh, getting harder. Mm, Yeah. Tim, I think you're going to still taste suntan lotion, but like this. I don't think it's going to be overly suntan lotion for you. No, it's not. All right. So where I found that you get away from suntan lotion and coconut is either making it super acidic or making it really nice and creamy. And the combination of both is my favorite. Uh, we used to make a drink at a bar that I used to work at downtown here. I translated it into a seltzer here. We called it lime and a coconut. And it was amazing, just thick, creamy, full-bodied. But you had that lime in there to really sour it up. And it just, it didn't taste like suntan lotion. It was a drink. Yeah, that was good. So that. this one uh, has stevia leaf extract in it. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yuzu juice Ooh. Uh, and sea salt. Sea salt's a good idea. That's Two. what I'm saying because anytime you want it to appear full, the sodium and chloride oh, from sea salt helps. What is oh, that? That's a sweetener. Erythritol. Yeah. They, oh. so they probably the, back sweeten it a little bit. A lot of the people do and that. The yeah. yeah, I don't know. Stevia is also non fermentable. Mm. So you're just trying to build some fullness there. It um, is almost yeah. suntan lotion, but it's nice, it's light, it's bright. It's bright coconut. My only issue is I feel like it's too carbonated. Mm. I, don't, I don't like things super carbonated. 
Can, but I feel I like it's balanced out well because of the sea salt. Because the sea, the salt, sea salt adds helps. fullness, and then the carbonation adds the bright acidity. So it's kind of the kind of dance. I will tell you uh, honestly, my favorite form of carbonation is just that effervescent carbonation in there, mm-hmm. where you almost it tingles your tongue, but you can't really tell there's carbonation. There was a really good winery in town. Uh, it's where Barker Rescue Pub is now, downtown in the old, uh, like, uh, Mel- uh, I remember that dairy building. Before Lone it was Canary. Black Raven, Blackbird? Blackbird. It wasn't yeah. Lone Canary, but it was, it was Lone Canary, then it was something else. Anyway, doesn't matter. They had this really, really good uh, Argentinian white that just had that tiny little prickle on your tongue as you drank it. Oh, my God, yes. This, if it just, if we took it down to just that tiny little prickle, just a tiny prick, it would be phenomenal. I, I see what you're saying. A little bit too much carbonation too in much. this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, getting back on to more general topic, uh, Rwandu. Rwandu. Uh, Rwandu. Uh, I know kombucha is fermented tea-based beverage, but can you translate these <coughs> techniques to brewing something with coffee? Ooh. Hey. Kinda. Wait, can you repeat that? Uh, can you do kombucha with coffee instead? You probably can. Um, I've never tried it. I have heard of people trying it. Um, Warren, we have a new goal. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, trying to do a coffee kombucha. The only thing that, that would be inhibitive in coffee in my mind is the acidity, but the acidity isn't a problem for kombucha because you kind of try to make something that can handle acidity, right? Yeah. Because usually uh, kombucha, when you go into that second fermentation, it's already at three and a half. And yeah. sometimes they get down to as low as two and a half. Mm. Which is pretty low. That sounds delicious. Do you ever add back, uh, do you ever adjust pH at the end? Do you think do anything to adjust pH? I've never adjusted pH. Just kind of let it taste More experiments. Go. More yeah. experiments. Well, that would be interesting, actually. Uh, Ooh, toasted coconut. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, maybe. Skyman567, what about toasted coconut? Uh, toasted coconut tastes less like suntan lotion to me, but toasted coconut can produce a ton of tannins. So, uh, in my opinion, it's best to use a blend of levels of toast, a very small amount of high toast, a lot of medium toast, a little bit of a light toast, and some fresh coconut in there to get the entire round character. And also stay away from heavy toast a lot just because you're going to be introducing so much tannins, unless it's something that can handle it. New goal, uh, toasted coconut jun made with buckwheat honey and a little bit of maple syrup and brown sugar. And whatever else we said, where it's going to go in oak barrel, mm. whiskey oak barrel aged. I would take the coconut out of there, but the coconut, the toasted coconut, could go good. You're yeah. making me nervous with that buckwheat honey. That <laughs> stuff can be Ugh, small trying. proportion, ten percent, hundred percent buckwheat honey. It'll Which be is you and Randy drinking and everything that. Else being. Like it'll be you and Randy drinking that. Probably Thomas too. Well, Thomas would be all over that. All over that. Love it. Oh man, the buckwheat. You did the channel. What part of Washington are you on? We're in Spokane, Washington. We are on this side. We're, we're almost on the Idaho border. More like, literally, I could probably walk to Idaho from here. Uh, yeah, we are pretty darn close. Man. It's like maybe eight miles or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I d- we could probably make it within two hours. Mm-hmm. I could probably make it within an hour. Okay, guys, speaking of Thomas and Randy, this is actually a really good beer question. How do you diffuse herbs such as lemongrass into beer? Oh, yeah. A lot of different ways to do that. I saw that question earlier. Lemongrass is in our... Uh, grew it. 
Yeah. All right. Thomas he, likes to do boil on it. Well, he does a lot of gruits, though, and that's yeah. where you do it. Uh, the easiest way is boil. Treat it like a hot, but put it more in the whirlpool to preserve all the volatile aromatics. Uh, or just in the last five, maybe ten minutes. I think you could probably dry lemongrass something if it's fresh I lemongrass. I would. If it well, even if it's not fresh, uh, it, even if it's dried lemongrass. Yeah. Personally, I love to put them in secondary. Uh, I think it preserves uh, not a secondary fermentation. I just like to put it at the tail end of fermentation. That way, it uh, preserves all of the volatile aromatics in there. You have alcohol to help strip out all of the flavor molecules in there. The absolute easiest, easiest, and most controllable way is in something like that is to make a tincture out of it. Take your stuff, put it into uh, high-proof neutral grain spirits, uh, one-on-one vodka, something like that. 151 works better. Uh, leave it in there for a week to two weeks, then take that actual liquor and add it into your beer or substance after that to whatever flavor level you love. It's the most controllable uh that way it's most sanitary that way and you're normally only only uh, adding in a couple of ounces maybe at a time depending on how strong you made that tincture so you're really not changing the alcohol tolerant or the alcohol levels at all uh patrick sandy two-part question second part is can you serve kombucha on your beer kegerator or do you need a dedicated line i think usually your beer can kegerator is fine right you could uh i would recommend a dedicated line just because kombucha likes to grow extra things all the time that's true um or just keep it really clean in between yeah the only the only the only flavor carry risk besides the bacteria that the only flavor carrying risk i can think of would be a strong flavor like mint or if you had something that oh, yeah. you know has a strong flavor that can pierce through lines but uh majority of the natural flavors that are in kombucha like a fruited or a you know, I mean, obviously the spices from kombucha teas, uh, usually those are not going to carry through. And then the first part is, do you have experience with water kefir? Uh, I've only drank maybe one. Um, it is an interesting thing. I've thought about making some. I've made, no, I don't have a lot of experience with water kefir. I went through a period where I made probably three or four water kefirs. This is way back when we were like at the old shop, maybe two years into the old shop. And I got a bag of kefir grains and just tried planting up water kefir but i don't have a lot of experience with it either it'd be fun if you make it that'd fall under your license though wouldn't it mm. yeah could you make alcoholic water kefir probably mm. i'd have to <coughs> talk to a few people but you can figure but, it out i believe in you but it's something that you could do you're saying there's a chance oh. there's a chance always a chance there's always a chance yeah. um all right we got any yeah, it, as far as like the uh, kombucha on your kegerator, there's a bunch of stuff, extra bacteria and yeast in it that do love to ferment things. Most beer has enough IBUs to kill off a lot of that bacteria, but from the herbs and spices in the kombucha, if you are going to be regularly, regularly, whew, that was hard, uh, regularly <clears throat> trying to serve it, just have yourself a kombucha line. That way you keep all of the herbs and all that kind of flavor in your kombucha. Uh, there shouldn't necessarily be a problem crossing lines as long as you keep everything nice and clean and sanitary. The yeah. important part to remember is kombucha is live. Yeah. There is live it, bacteria it in there. Growing. It's alive. <laughs> it's alive. All right. Man in the chair, any other questions? Yeah, so our, our, our perfect name to say, Stefan Stoudemire. Mm. Uh, beer question for later. Three vessel herms with a truck oh, yeah. dam, but... Still, I but still I transfer too much hot material into my uni tank. Any recommendations? 
better whirlpool uh, would be the the commercial answer. Uh, the non-commercial answer would be um, use a bag for hops. Mm-hmm. It's got to be an oversized bag, but those two things are uh, counter to one another. Um, so you'd have to take your hops out, then whirlpool, then you ha- hopefully your chub dam gets a lot of it. But the the commercial answer is uh, usually a dish w- w- if you're. Um, boil kettle with the chub dam has a dish at the bottom that helps if the chub dam is higher than the center and then a really good whirlpool to make sure that everything cones up in the middle before you transfer also transfer slower transferring a little bit slower uh, if you can chill it down a little bit more before transferring it um, i know it's one of the problems i have coming from our small two barrel system going into our seven barrel system there is absolutely zero way i can effectively cool down our seven barrel system before transferring where in our two barrel system i chill it down probably to about 150 uh, whirlpooling before i transfer and that extra chill down creates some of that hot break which grabs some of your uh, hot proteins and pulls them into the center as well the seven barrel system, so I can't do that. I just have an extended whirlpool to help get it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then once I get it chilled down and into the tank, uh, because we have conicals, I'll normally do, if I'm worried about the hop uh, buildup in there, I'll normally do a uh, trub dump after that. Let it get in there, let it settle out for a minute inside of your fermentation vessel, then drop the bottom part off of it and drop out all the extra hot materials and true before you get all of your yeast and everything in there to mix it back in. Uh, Waste a little bit of beer, but it helps keep it out of there. Anything else? I didn't see any other questions. Uh, I'm going to just say like the video if you guys want to see it. Rachel and the guys blend beer and kombucha. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, because we're going to do that. But you should also like the video because we're not going to, we'll do it quicker the more likes we get. Yeah. Yeah. Will it kombucha? Will it kombucha? Let's do it. Um, check out Zenzheimer just on Instagram. And what else are you on? Facebook. 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 YouTube. She is now. CIA's website. I mean, probably. <laughs> You do uh, ferment I things. Do ferment uh, things. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a file on you somewhere. <laughs> ah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that, that's it. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. Um, send us all your beer, 100% of your beer. Send us buckwheat honey. Um, uh, send us presents, but I'll talk about that later. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't even just have to be beer. Send, it, send us your cider. Send us your, your booch. Your kombucha. Uh, tabache. Your water. Keep your water. Your uh, cookies. Your, oh, man. Yeah. Good cold, homemade cookies. Please. If but, you send stuff, mark it for what it's for, so that way it it, it survives. And if you want stuff back from us, ask Matt. Ask Matt. And yeah. we're too irresponsible to figure that stuff out. Yes. All right. Um, cool. We're good. Yep. Uh, thank you. Oh, thanks, Smash Rachel. The like Thanks. button.